I'm Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that gets seen without playing the Hollywood game. Or at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we're breaking down one-person productions and working with nonprofits, a real chock-full episode today. If you'd like to suggest a new topic, send us a compliment, ask us a question, or otherwise get in touch, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at BreakingOutPod, or via email, BreakingOutOfBreakingInPod at gmail.com. And as always, if you want deeper dives into everything we cover on this podcast, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash breaking out pod. For just $3 a month, you'll get access to bonus content like templates, curated learnings and custom infographics. And for $10 a month, you'll get that a logo sticker and a shout out at the end of each episode. There's lots of ways to get involved and support the podcast and get yourself a bunch of cool stuff. So definitely go check that out patreon.com slash breaking out pod. But before we get into our chock full episode, Episode, we got to introduce you to our wonderful guest today. So uh, thank you so much to Shelby Zoe Coley for joining us. Shelby, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Shelby. I would say I'm a filmmaker, mostly uh, in the area of like documentaries and kind of transitioning into narrative work now. Cool. And what, what kind of work do you focus on? Yes. So I usually focus on issues regarding like, you know, social justice, methods of healing for black and brown people, especially queer people. So yeah, I would say those are my like, the the topics that are closest to my heart. That's great. So a big part of why I wanted to have you on is because you are sort of like, all in one. <laughs> Every time I see you making something, it's just you with a camera and a mic. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're creating pretty much on your own. And you you have all these tech capabilities. And Brie and I come from a very like writer perspective and sort of writer-director perspective, but we always have like tech people because that's not our general area of expertise. So can you talk a little bit about working that way? Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. how you started, give us yeah. a sense of like how, how you became the all-in-one filmmaker that you right, are today. Right, right. <laughs> wow, I'm like, how many, there's like a few different angles I could come at this, but let me see. Uh, yeah, well, I'll talk about like what made me buy a camera in the first place I think I was just like watching some videos online back in like 2011 or something 2010 mm-hmm. before I first first moved to New York saw this like dope like video I was like yo how was that shot that's definitely not like a phone or something and then like heard of like this DSLR situation so I bought my first mm-hmm. DSLR a couple a couple years after that and you know I just started going out and shooting like pictures of flowers and shit, like really corny stuff, like trees, bugs, anything I could like see. Cause I was mm-hmm. mostly by myself anyway. Like I was, I'm like, just like a very solitudinal person. Solitudinal is a word. Um, totally. So, and if it's not, it is now. You yeah, heard it your first book. Exactly. Coining words. That's, that's how we Just do. like Shakespeare. Yeah, Shelby, exactly. Shakespeare, I see no Reading my mind. <laughs> reading my mind. Shakespeare made up mad words that we still use. So it's like, we can all make up words if there's no word for the thing you want to say. Anyway, so yeah, I was just, um, I mean, I was by myself generally. So I would like go to the park and just like shoot things. And then um, uh, I had, you know, I had, before I bought a camera, I was, uh, you know, a big writer. So I would just like have all of these film ideas that I would, right out while I was in high school, like musicals, short films, plays, like I was just always writing. So by the time I got my camera, I was like, I have kind of like the tools to 
do what I've always wanted to do, which is make a film. And I guess it's kind of like, I mean, trauma, I guess, that kind of like made me feel like I want to make sure that I'm not dependent on anyone else to make what I want to make. And if someone can't help me or if someone can't do something, I don't want to be devastated by that fact and end up not making anything. So I just kind of like naturally defaulted into like trying to be self-sufficient, like always, especially when it came to creative matters, because creativity for me is like or expressing in general for me is like a, it's how I find any level of optimism in my life, you know, like anything that would happen to me, like life is so nonsensical and is so kind of devastating and things don't always make sense. So I started really early trying to figure out how I can reorganize the events of my life to make them have meaning. And so it started with like songwriting and then eventually just advanced to film which I find like the most robust way to express an idea. So yeah, so I was like, you know, as important as expressing an idea is to me, this cannot be something that can be in the hands of somebody else. So, you know, I was just like watching my YouTube videos on how to work a camera. I mean, I had a camera way before I even knew how to like properly work it. Like I was just like, oh, these three knobs control how bright and how dark it is. But then I would turn one knob and I would be like, wait, why is my picture blurry? And it's like, oh, that's the shutter speed. So it's like, you know, just kind of like learning by making mm-hmm. mistakes. And then now I'm like a full on gearhead where I'm just like, I'm always like into like the new gear and like the cameras and like trying to keep tabs on what's coming out and like what's compatible with like this lens and la la la. It's like a crazy rabbit hole you can go into and a very expensive rabbit hole too. Like, oh sure. my God, <laughs> yeah. my shopping addiction for gear is like out of this world. It's insane. But that's neither here nor there. That's for my therapist. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess that's the story of how I just like kind of been one man banding it from the beginning. I just didn't want something that important to be dependent on you know, someone else's knowledge, I guess you could say. So how did you transition from figuring out what shutter speed was to like actually making a career out of one woman banding it? What was Mm -hmm. the first gig? How did you get the second one? Like how how have you navigated sort of freelancing Mm -hmm. in this way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember just doing a lot of free stuff right off the bat. Um, Like I remember maybe like a few months after I got my first camera, there was an art opening that I went to. And so the guy, it was like a, it was a black owned gallery in Bed-Stuy. And the guy was like, oh, you have a camera, you want to make films? Why don't you like shoot our Q and A's? I shot those, they're, I mean, awful. Wow, the sound is just pitiful. It's just pitiful. So I don't know, it's just like things like that. People would just see me out shooting and then they would be, oh, do you wanna do this? And so, you know, I'm not very learned in my craft yet. So, you know, I was obviously doing those things for free. But just as I like learned by trial and error, I got better and better and learned how to like not overexpose something. And uh, I guess what really kind of like, kind of like took me over the edge into like doing more freelance work was learning how to edit very well. So the first thing I edited, I was like, damn, this is like actually pretty good. Like I can, I can actually release this and not feel like uh, I'm embarrassed about it. 
So it was kind of like the editing bit that kind of like introduced me into the world of like, oh, I can kind of like do this as a profession and like freelance. So shortly after that, I started just like doing little event gigs and like shooting people's events, whether it was photography or videography. But um, yeah, that's how it that's how it went. Just learned how to get into Final Cut and Premiere. That's great. When you are you freelance full time, is that? Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how are you primarily finding gigs now? Mm -hmm. How does that? Yes. My big like philosophy or like the, the thing that kind of like opened the door for me was figuring out that I get work if I'm making work and specifically like releasing work. So, you know, for, you know, for the work that I was doing, you know, the year before or leading up to the pandemic, I was working with a lot of like nonprofits. And so essentially I just went out, you know, I just had a gimbal and I had my gimbal and a camera and I would just like show up to events, shoot things, edit it together. It was good. And so I was putting it out on Twitter, putting it out on Instagram or like showing it to the to the people who were like running the events. And then they were like, wow, this is so great. And so they would share it. And then, um, you know, the the relationship, the working relationship kind of came naturally out of that. Like I was just publishing it. They were like, yo, this kind of like blew up on our Twitter. Like, oh, this is so dope. And so I was like, yeah, you know, like if you want more stuff, just like let me know. So, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of just like came out naturally like that. Like I was just putting stuff out, tagging people. It was like a, a, a big thanks to social media, just like putting, publishing something and tagging people just so mm -hmm. they see it, even if it doesn't like become like this big semi-viral thing. Like if they see it and it's good, it's like you're in. That's it. It's like guerrilla videography for events. That's yeah. so yeah, smart. That's yeah. so smart. Like free samples. Like Yeah, basically. Like I'm going to show up and show you what I can do and then yeah, you want more. Exactly. Show and prove. Mm -hmm. Did you ever run into a situation where because you did that sort of guerrilla audition for free, they're mm -hmm. like, you just like, we'll just give you a free ticket and you want to keep mm -hmm. coming and making free videos for us? Did you ever have yeah. to navigate that as you were yeah, building Yeah, of career? course. Like the people would be like, oh, can you do this? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's um, let's set a time to talk about the fee and the budget and things. And then they would be like, oh, you know, there's no budget. And so I'd be like, okay, well, um, what, did, what would I say? I would just be like, okay, well, if there's, you know, budget in the future, just keep me in mind. Mind. you know just keep it cute like that it doesn't have to be like ah oh, you are disrespecting me my <laughs> labor I mean I would just be like you know if there's budget like just keep me in mind and and then you know I would just like keep it moving but it, also if if it was something that I genuinely felt like I wanted to be at then I would just go anyway yeah, that's fair. I think it is important that, you know, especially when you're starting out, you you sometimes have to weigh like it, it's not as black and white, I think, as some freelancers like to think of it as like, fuck you, pay me. Yeah. Or, you know, only work for free, be an unpaid intern forever. Like, yeah. There's definitely a middle ground. Yeah, and sometimes you got to work for free if you really believe in something. And yeah. hopefully, like you said, when you you get work, when you're putting out work. Yeah. So sometimes the work that you're putting out, if there's a little bit of a like desert of content is to do some stuff for free that you really care about. Mm -hmm. And at least it won't exactly. feel quite as much like work if you genuinely care about like, right. the message, the material, things like that. It's just play. And I do want to amend that statement because by the time I, the, the period, the few months that I kind of like transitioned from you know, working at an oyster bar part time and doing freelance full time, I was 
in like a program. It was like a, a, a residency in uh, Pleasantville, New York with the Jacob Burns Center. And so along with the residency came like a nice little stipend. So having that cushion so that I could put in my two weeks off from work and be like, okay, I'm just going to focus on making things that I like. I'm going to take a leap of faith and like, you know, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I was like, I want to make this happen. And I just had like a feeling I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm only going to put time and effort into things that I really genuinely want to do. And I knew I had the juice. I knew I had it in me to do it well. So I was like, I'm putting it all into this. So, I mean, it does require a little bit of, um, you need some funding, you know, you need a little bit mm -hmm. of capital. So I was just like blessed to have that, to be like, I'm about one lens and that's it. I'm going to sacrifice like going out to Chipotle or like eating food at all. I'm going to like walk as much as I can so I don't spend money on like train, uh, train fare. So, um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a little more complicated than just kind of like just going out and doing it because when I was freelancing, I mean, when I was working part-time at a restaurant, you know, I definitely was not in that mindset at all. I was just trying to figure out like, oh, how can I, you know, make a little thing on the days that I'm off. So yeah, it does require like your full attention. So yeah, you gotta have like a little bit of money saved up. Right. So I have two questions about balance. One is when you're full time working on other things, like other people's projects, whether mm -hmm. it is, you know, nonprofits or commercials or, or just anything that's helping you pay the bills, how do you find like the creative flow inside of yourself to work on your own passion projects? And do you mm -hmm. find that there's a struggle there or does it come mm -hmm. naturally because you're already mm -hmm. being creative all day for, mm -hmm. the, for the freelance work? Like, mm -hmm. is there balance there and, and how do you find it? Mm -hmm. um, I guess answer that and then I'll go to my other question. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, Christina, that's a lot. Let's give her a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So balancing like the, the freelance paid work with like passion work is essentially the, the question, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's funny to say, but the, the balance kind of came really naturally. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like I would have a working gig. And so mm -hmm. that's what I would focus on. Like there was nothing basically at the time that I wanted to do a passion project for that was during the time of my working gig. So it kind of, I don't know, it was like, it wasn't even me like trying to balance anything. It was just like when I had the working gig, you know, I was like, bet, let me knock this out. And then when there was no work, there would be events that I wanted to go to and like actions with like organizers that I like respected that I would go to. Mm -hmm. And so I would just like do those until I got an email being like, hey, do you have availability for these days to do this type of paid work? So it kind of like just balanced itself out naturally. I didn't I didn't struggle that much in that area, thankfully. I, I would I would say that where I struggled the most was making sure not to tax myself out on the free work that I was doing because I wanted to be at every event. I wanted to support everybody. And there would be times where it was like, it was pouring. Like, you know how they say when it rains, it pours. Like there would be like stuff happening like back to back to back, like day, consecutive days. And I would have to kind of like take a step back and be like, yo, Shelby, like you're fried. Like you're literally fried. Like, are you really going to like go out and like, you know, show up and just be like out of it or are you going to like take a day and rest usually i would just like 
opt to fry myself and burn myself out even more because I just couldn't resist. But I would say that that was more my struggle, like trying to pace myself with my passion projects more so than like okay. balancing it with like free work. But yeah, it just came naturally. It was like I, I must have been like so much in flow and so much like mm -hmm. in the Dharma or whatever it's called that it just it just happened naturally, thankfully for me. Right. That's kind of a question I have is when you're doing work for hire, are you primarily focusing on causes and companies or organizations that align with your creative interests and your personal interests? And so they're, so you're not like necessarily in conflict, but it's all kind of mm -hmm. an extension. Mm -hmm. Is that the case? Yeah. It was kind of the case. I would say that the, the conflict would definitely happen like in my personal political uh, interests. Because like my personal philosophy is like grassroots work is like where the work is done, like on the on the ground with the community, with the people that you're working with or supporting. So when I was working with nonprofits, it was kind of like I uh, a lot of people's fear is just what if I don't believe in the things I'm working on right. but I need to pay rent. Right. I believe in them. I believe in like the theory of them, mm -hmm. but I would okay. probably disagree on like the execution. So it was kind of like that discrepancy that I was dealing with. So I was just like, you know, I'm showing up, I'm working, I'm not going to over extend myself energy wise because you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm here for a check, but it was also like, I, I made sure that the people that I was in contact with day to day were people that I respected at least. So it was like, even they knew that they had to do this in order to hit whatever milestone they wanted to do for their organization. Mm -hmm. So there was kind of like that understanding that we're doing what we have to do. I'm doing what I have to do in order to, you know, pay my rent and they're doing the same thing. So yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of conflict, but it was like, you know, it is what it is. We live in a capitalist society and I have to eat. Right. So I'm not going to like hold myself and prostitute myself, but yeah, it was like a, it was like a threshold of like, okay, if they're meeting like 50% of where of the things that I want to support, then okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that we're even outside of freelancing, even just as like, creatives who want to work for potentially studios or production companies it's yeah. like a constant balancing act and a constant thinking about the broader impact and weighing your options and having to survive in a capitalist society mm. and, mm. yeah everyone is a line too you know yeah yeah and that, that's something that i'm thinking about more and more as i'm in a position to do a lot of work like for free and to like support my friends and their creative endeavors and to like, cause like I have so much equipment because of my shopping addiction. So <laughs> I'm like, how can I like make, you know, the resources I have more communal so that I can kind of like share the knowledge that I have and like the resources that I have so that um, just kind of creating a little bit more equity so that we can be in a space where we're making decisions about like, what we want our set culture to look like, how we mm -hmm. take care of each other and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that that's become like very much top of mind what you said, Christina, about like, how are we like once we're going into that, like this corporate hyper industry, hyper professional, hyper capitalist space where we're working with, with studios or working with brands and things like that, mm -hmm. like having to make a strong decision, even for the sake of my me mental health, to be like, mm -hmm. okay, is this a space 
that is sustainable for me to work in. Cause like, if I can't like take five minutes to smoke a cigarette, it's already like done. Like I can't, I can't do it. You know, like it has to be, there has to be a little bit of like leeway. And I guess it's like the same thing. If it's like, if I can get 50% there of where like I want to be as far as like the culture and the environment and the people that I'm working with, then it's like, okay, I can make like a concession here and there. So in terms of your branding, do you, do you separate what you do for hire versus what you do for yourself? Like how you put it out to the world, how you share it with an audience? Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like a a thing that I had to kind of like navigate to after I started freelancing. Cause I was like, okay, I did this thing for pay. Is this something that I'm like fully supporting? If it was like one of those 50% jobs, then I would be like, okay, here it, here it is. You're welcome to tag me. You're welcome to say, you know, video by Shelby Zoe Coley, but I'll do like a lot of like fun things with like tags and motion graphics that I would put like on my personal projects that I would do with like the grassroots organizers in New York that I wouldn't necessarily do on my paid work. So there's definitely a a separation in in that respect for sure. So the other question, we already kind of talked about it, but the other balancing question I had was about the hustle that Mm -hmm. we're all sort of living in. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you you made a comment earlier where you said, you know, maybe I won't eat at all like I won't eat at Chipotle or I won't eat at all yeah (laughs) like how how do you find have you noticed any sort of change over the last year I'm curious because I have for myself in terms of like how I view my own hustle and and where I was maybe sacrificing Mm -hmm. my own Mm -hmm. (laughs) well-being um so that's one Mm -hmm. question but then also just like if you are in a different place Maybe could you talk about that a little bit, like how mm-hmm. you're finding balance within pursuing pursuing making stuff and also paying bills, mm-hmm. but also wanting to be a human who lives com- somewhat comfortably. comfortably. Like, yeah. you, you know, mm-hmm. like, you want to have a base quality of life to meet yeah. Yeah. and under yeah. which is like, nope, we're not doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me tell you, I'm a high maintenance bitch. Like, I'm so high maintenance. <laughs> I'm just like... I need what I need. And if I don't have it, I'm like, let me figure out how I can have it again. Like, luckily, it's been very easy for me. Like, I'm blessed. Like, I have people in my life who help to support me so that if I am like low on like work, they're like, you know, you still have like a place to stay. You know, I can help you with groceries, things like that. So I'm like exceedingly blessed. Like, that is the only way I could have imagined that I could live the life that I live as far as like making specific decisions about regarding work and my values. Like some people aren't in a position to say no to work. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I acknowledge that. And I think that's important to acknowledge, but you know, I am. So right when I was freelancing, it was kind of like, I was, I wasn't eating out like at all. I was walking a lot more, but I was much happier and my mental health was like there. Like I was just like, it was almost as if like before I had like quit, you know, my restaurant job that I was like asleep to the things that were in my heart that I really wanted to do. I was basically like muting myself, muting my instincts so that I could show up to work and smile no matter how I felt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So once I, oh yeah, I I forgot to mention, I kind of had a nervous breakdown when I quit my job and started freelancing as well. I wasn't sleeping. So basically that nervous breakdown just kind of like, clarified all of the things in my life that 
I was sacrificing for that mm. I didn't want to do anymore because I was realizing how much it was taking from my happiness. So when I quit and I was like, I'm not going to eat out. It was like the most liberating thing ever when I was like, not worried about getting to work or being anywhere at a certain time. It was, mm. it made up for the fact that I was only eating, you know, hot pockets at home. So mm -hmm. it was like, it was like a hustle. It was like, a, it was a different mode that I had switched to, but it wasn't taxing because I wasn't sacrificing as much as I was before. So it was better. And it's even better now that I'm like making money off of like something that I'm good at, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, totally. It did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we all strive to have an answer like yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you just, you do what you got to do. You have flexible boundaries, but mm -hmm. you, you're laser focused on the thing that matters most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you said you're transitioning into narrative. Mm -hmm. Are you still primarily kind of working on your own behind the camera or are you expanding to have more of a team? since that requires maybe like oh, more yeah. creative lighting or right or right yeah i mean i'm i'm trying to inch my way into it because before i was like i'm never working on anything where i can't just do it myself if i need like a whole crew I've taken a wrong turn somewhere. That has changed. That idea has changed because I think, I mean, and this is probably the same case now where I was like, I don't like working with people. I don't like people telling me what to do. You know, I just want to have it my way all the time. <laughs> um, so I've grown a little bit. And I mean, like uh, when I say a little bit, I mean like a little bit. Like it's more <laughs> like I've, I've learned how to, first of all, accept certain things about myself as far as like if I'm on set and, it, and it, it's a very tension filled moment and I'm like I'm going to be fucking moody or I'm going to be like irritated if the gel isn't clamping onto my light right and I'm just going to throw my phone or whatever the case it's being forgiving of my own personality flaws so that I can walk into a space and be like okay I know I'm going to be get, engaging with other people's personality flaws and having a strong personal relationship with people that is not just based on work. Like, can I go out with this person just to like have a drink? That's kind mm -hmm. of like the, the barometer, I guess is the word uh, on which I base, like, do I want to work with this person on a set? So as I like get into that, I'm like, can I chill with this person? Do we think the same way? Like, are we like fake astrologers and like really into like rising signs and retrogrades <laughs> and moons and like Saturn returns and things like that. Are they able to like have a vulnerable conversation with me? Yeah. Now I'm, 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 I'm inching into like working more with people. Um, and that obviously is still like a learning process. Cause I'm like, if somebody pissed me off, I'm going to just be like, Hmm, let me cut out for a cigarette. And this is one thing I will say <laughs> about my nicotine addiction, it has been very helpful <laughs> to <laughs> have an excuse to just like walk away from something and, and to kind of like take a break. It's like a natural way to kind of like, let me just be by myself, like have five minutes of solitude where I'm mm -hmm. just here and thinking and processing my emotions or processing what 
just happened and think about what I can say to the next person to either communicate that they did me harm or to apologize that I may have caused harm or to figure out a way to move forward that is in the best interest of everybody there. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm an imperfect person, so I'm gonna make mistakes. So I'm just like, that's a given. And just figuring out how to forgive myself and also extending that to other people. That's important. So I'm curious yeah. as you're joining or or inviting more people onto your team from such a like, I have control over everything perspective. Mm-hmm. I imagine that like feeling comfortable working with somebody and knowing that you can get a drink and talk about rising signs takes a little while. So like, what is mm-hmm. the process of you going from like, you know, person that I just met at a networking event or online mm-hmm. to person mm-hmm. that I am willing to try working with? Like, mm-hmm. what, what does that pipeline look like for you? Well, it looks like hmm, I've been talking with like, because like I've been in LA for like the past month and three weeks, just kind of like getting my feet wet out here and trying to figure out what a bi-coastal life would look like. But um, I've been thinking And talking with like the people that I've met out here a lot about that. So I don't know, essentially it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like falling in love. Like I feel like falling in love with people is part of my creative process when it comes to like creative partnerships. Like if I'm in love with a person, like of course I'm gonna go out and get a drink. And of course I'm going to feel a little more comfortable when things aren't gelling the way they should be. Um, So usually how what happens is, okay, my roommate says someone I know is in LA. So, you know, I fall on my scooter, I sprain my ankle. These are true events, actually, (laughs) just so y'all know. I sprain my ankle, I need somebody to take me to the doctor. And then this friend that my, my roommate knows takes me to the doctor, we go out for coffee, we talk. I tell them about like, I wanna do this and this and this. I want to make films about like queer people with like magical powers and I want us to show up to set and have everybody feel like they're taken care of, like they're not being pressured for time. You know, a lot of those small things that factor into more high, very high intense like set situations and they're like yo i fuck with that idea like i have this idea and like da 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 and i know this person so it's just kind of like what does that first conversation look like what does that first conversation over coffee look like if y'all are kind of like finishing each other's sentences then you know that's a good sign and at the end of the day you just got to fill it out and of course you might make mistakes and make wrong judgments about people and think that they're the best thing ever when you first meet them. And then as you get to know them, it's like, ooh, I didn't realize it was gonna be like that. Again, it just comes down to recognizing that, yeah, you made a mistake and it's never too late to turn back, especially if it's if it's at the cost of your spiritual and mental health. Like if I meet somebody and I'm like, yeah, they're dope, And then later I figure out like, oh, but you're also a control freak. Then either I just pull out and I'm like, okay, I'm pulling out. Like I've done that as well on shoots. Like I'll go to a shoot. And then like when we unload all of the equipment, I'm like, yo, so I'm not going to be able to finish this project. 
And that is scary because you burn bridges that way. But it's like, are you mm-hmm. going to, do you want to cross that bridge? Do you, did you ever want to cross that bridge? Like, is that a bridge like you see yourself crossing in the future? Obviously not if you feel like you need to bow out at this moment. And then another option is like, can I just like, hunker down and bear it for the next week until the end of this project. So you're trying to just like gauge like how much harm am I going to cause myself by continuing with this person that I don't like. And if it's going to cause more harm than good, then just be like, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice this, you know, 3000 just to not be around you basically so you know it's kind of like that you just gotta you gotta make the hard decision and like recognize that maybe you're going to lose money maybe you're going to lose a relationship but is it going to be worth it and most times for me i'm like my happiness and my freedom is always worth it i love that yeah yeah as you were talking i just like it was a very surreal experience of of hearing you sort of just generally say stuff so i'm like is she narrating from my life? How does she know about that person I met and had to work with after thinking they were awesome and realizing, oh no, no, this is this isn't like a jokey persona. This is their real persona. Oh dear God! Like, what so, did I, I get myself into? Well. Yeah, because it's hard when you're meeting someone socially. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're vibing because we're both very confident people who have mm-hmm. like very strong visions. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I want to work with that. Mm-hmm. But then just like you said, realizing they're a control freak, but in like not a, a perfectionist way of like, like mm-hmm. you, Shelby, you know, you're mm-hmm. a control freak because you know exactly what you want to do. You know how to use all the equipment. Mm-hmm. In my experience, my person was a control freak and didn't really want to do any of the work and sort of just Oh no! Things would come together, but also was still in charge without. It was very strange, and it taught (laughs) me a lot about hey, maybe don't work on a five week long project with someone after just meeting them. Maybe do a one day project and Mm -hmm. see how it goes. Right, right. (laughs) But you know, at the end of the day, that exactly like you said, you know, that was a bridge I didn't think I wanted to continue on. So it was sort of okay that it got burnt, yeah, because I made a lot of other relationships on that that set (laughs) that ended up working out better. You know, we kind of. Over the like, oh God, I can't believe we all just did that. Mm-hmm. So, mm. you know, sometimes walking away can actually make you more connections and help you find more bridges Absolutely. than the one that you're too afraid to burn. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like replaying all of the kind of like ill fated connections <laughs> I've had. And it's like, wow. It, there's nothing like that situation because you just feel like you're in jail. And it's like, right. is this ever going to end? <laughs> is this five weeks ever going to end am i going to make it out alive like oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy you want to do a good job you don't you know but i think i like what i'm taking away from this conversation is i really need to get better at you know just saying i can't finish this i'm really yeah. sorry i'm not yeah. available anymore because yeah. i hate that I, i'm such a completionist and i want to be mm. seen as a dependable person mm-hmm. even if i don't want to continue working with this person like oh god what if this person who i'm never going to work with again thinks i'm not dependable mm. what will i do my i hope yeah. my whole identity is crumbling down <laughs> around me <laughs> which is you know not realistic <laughs> so that's that's something i'm taking away from this conversation <laughs> nice. my whole identity is crumbling <laughs> that's 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 how i Who so you said I? You, you mentioned a breakdown and like that's yeah. like my daily breakdown yeah. is like my whole identity is crumbling all the Man, time it's deep. <sighs> it's really deep. 
Mm-mm-mm. maybe I need to stop basing it on external validation. Uh, maybe that would help. Who knows? Maybe. Um, I've, I've learned enough today. That's fine. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that you're going bi-coastal. Uh, or mm-hmm. is, are you like in Los Angeles like temporarily and you're mm-hmm. planning to move back? Like what does bi-coastal mean mm-hmm. to you in your like ideal situation? Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, so originally I'm from Washington, D.C., uh, moved to New York for the first time 10 years ago. Ah, God, that's so painful to say. <laughs> God. And so right now, home base is Harlem, New York, where okay. I live. That's like that's like home base. So in my mind, I'm still there with my roommate, and I still live there. My room will always be my room. And so I kind of like, I was flirting with L.A. when I came to kind of like took a a Southwestern trip in June and visited LA for the first time then. And I was like, oh, I like this. I think it was mostly like the kind of like desert vibes because I had just been reading Mm -hmm. Dune. And Mm -hmm. so I liked the desert vibes. And so I just felt like I could probably be here for a long time. So yeah, Bicosa would be like, I'm here for, you know, two months. I go back to New York for a month. I'm in LA for three months stay in New York for two months. Like, so for instance, like I know a lot of my family's birthday were usually in like the fall and winter time. So I expect to spend a lot of my fall and winter time in New York so that I can go back and forth to DC early, um, easily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just kind of like whatever projects pop up in LA, I'll be there. Even if, if it's, whether it's for a week or two weeks or two or three months. And then when I go back to New York, I line up my work out there for when I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what that looks like. I don't know if that is clear. No. Yeah. So I'm wondering, going back to kind of doing it all on your own, do mm-hmm. you have any quick tips you mm-hmm. can share with people who are maybe trying to do the same thing if they're just getting started or they're trying to transition into getting paid work? with just themselves and equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your starter kit for somebody who wants to like follow in your footsteps? Starter kit. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I would say, first of all, one, I had to know exactly what I was good at before I decided to kind of branch mm-hmm. out and like take a sacrifice and quit my job and, you know, just go, f- go full throttle into trying to freelance. So I would say uh, if you're like, just kind of like starting out with like working with cameras, you need to really dedicate some time to YouTube university. Like YouTube is like game changer. I don't buy any piece of equipment with like without like going down a a deep dive into YouTube. But that is to say that, um, you know, just kind of like practice and get good at something, just delve into YouTube University. But essentially you won't really know what you're actually good at and what you actually like to do until you're doing it and you see the results and you see what people say about it and et cetera. So that's the first thing I would say, just like know your lane. And also, this is something that I'm struggling with now, especially as coming from a space where I was doing everything by myself is like trying to keep your camera camera package small. Mm-hmm. So when I started freelancing, I had a Sony a6300, like a very, not very old, but it was pretty outdated for like a, a mirrorless camera, but it had a log profile that I could color grade and put LUTs on really quickly. So that was important to me. 
And then I had like a very compact gimbal and I just had everything that I needed that could fit into like a kind of smallish book bag. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just say like, keep your package small if you want to run and gun it and then kind of like build it out as you kind of like develop your taste for wanting to do more elaborate things. And then what else would I say? If you do want to start working with people, like start with like one other person. Mm -hmm. So I have like a few friends who are like interested in like filmmaking that I'll just kind of like be like, hey, I have this shoot. Do you want to come? And so then I'll just help have them like hold a light or they'll take BTS sales or like, you know, help bring a C-stand over to the corner or something. So yeah, just start with maybe one other person. Like that's very chill, very manageable. Y'all can just like kiki on the way to the location or whatever. So yeah, I guess that's what I would say. I feel like there was another question in there. Yeah, it was just any tips, like any quick tips. And And I also think we should bring it back to the thing that you mentioned, like at the very beginning, you're sort of like guerrilla auditioning. I think that's really smart. And for folks who are maybe a little bit more uncomfortable, like going to someone else's event, maybe start with like your friend's event. Does your friend have Mm -hmm. like a school art show that they're doing? Or are Mm -hmm. they in sports? Or are they a musician or something like that? Like, are your friends doing something that you kind of tag along and be sort of like, you know, their their overbearing parent (laughs) to like film their, and then cut that together, you know? You don't have anyone to send it to, but at least you're learning your skills, you're playing with like yes. all right, what ISO do I need to use if I'm capturing an outdoor sports game yeah. versus an indoor concert and like yeah. maybe that's the way you get your feet wet before you start feeling confident enough to like go to a real event mm-hmm. and be like hey I'm your videographer mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you better you know pay attention to what I've got going on because I yeah. think you're going to really be impressed mm-hmm. and to like to that point I remember like showing up to events at first like by myself and nobody fucking knew who I was or what I was doing there. I was just like bouncing around with this gimbal. They're like, who is this bitch like just doing the most? Like, who is she? Like, nobody knows who I am. I remember one of the, the one of the very first events I went to, it was like a, a a rally and there was like some some news coverage as well. And I remember I was all up in the news coverage with my gimbal. Like you would see like a guy like talking and then I'm in the background, like my head's bopping around. It's just like I would come and I was I would not say anything to anyone. I would just find a little spot, pop a squat, balance my camera on the gimbal turn it on, shoot. I didn't say shit. Like it was, it was, it was very awkward and it, it, it was always nerve wracking until I got to a place where I was establishing a rapport with the people that I was going to the events for. But um, yeah, I guess it, it depends on like what your comfortability is with like just showing up. So it's like, don't feel like you have to say anything. Don't feel like you have to say a word. Either someone will come up and talk to you and be like, hey, what do you do? Or like, what's this for? And you can like give them a business card or you can go up, be silent the whole time, leave, chop it together, post it online and boom. Let the work speak for itself. Yeah, that's your introduction to them. You know, it doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm going to shoot something here, la la la. Just be quiet and, and do the work if that's more comfortable for you. You can also talk if you'd like. (laughs) you are allowed to talk we're saying it right now (laughs) yeah great 
I don't have any other questions. Do you have any, Brie? Yeah, I don't think so. I, we've covered so much, and I, I genuinely feel so inspired from this conversation. So thank you, Shelby, for, for being yeah, here, yeah, for sharing your your thoughts and your your just good vibes. Lots of good vibes. I'm also new to California and trying to figure it out. So you're here. We'll cross paths. I am. I just I moved in June, so around oh the time your, your trip started, I just moved here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. But so I guess when I come back, we'll have to like link up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's I, dope. We, we can we can schedule this off podcast, but yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, let's, let's, let's schedule it out so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, this is come to the Bree Shelby meetup, everyone. Right, right. Yeah, we'll definitely. We charge ten dollars for signed headshots, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, it's free. You can show up and do whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thank y'all for having me. Shelby, do you me. have anything? This is fun. Of course. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug or just any final mm-hmm. thoughts you want to share? Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, I'm going to plug the film that I made five or six months ago or something. It's my first foray into <laughs> <laughs> merits and work. It's a, it's a short film called The Singularity, and that is on my website, which is shelby.works so you can just type in www.shelby.works and that's my website and you'll see it yeah and i'm on instagram shelby works twitter shelby works the end that's great that's a great website and yeah i I love that it's like an affirmation yeah (laughs) you know it's like oh who are you oh i'm shelby works i'll be working i'll be working All right. Well, thank y'all. All All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Shelby, for joining us. Mm -hmm. And thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music, Kaylee Brown for our podcast art, Ezra Lee for editing this episode, and to all of you for listening. Links to learn more about them and Shelby are in our episode description. And thank you to our booby VIPs, Shannon Sprangler, Jules Piggott, Rain Bernal, Kelsey Rauber, Jerry Maravia, Norman Steinberg, Amanda Blunt, Anthony Epp, Kim Garland, and Shana Rose Woolley. If you would like a name shout out at the end of every episode, please feel free to subscribe at patreon.com slash breaking out pod. And also don't forget to rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app if you haven't already. And don't forget that actually writing a review rather than just putting the stars in, uh, goes a long way and we appreciate it every time next episode in a a twist that should surprise no one we're going to be talking about burnout so be sure to tune in for some solidarity at the very least but maybe some some opportunities to get us all out of this funk uh at the best of times anyways we'll see you then bye bye (laughs) 